This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black on Federal News Network. One-on-one interviews with the people who've left a lasting imprint on the government and the nation. Now your host, Aileen Black. Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and today I'm talking with Joe Kimovich, Managing Director, KPMG, and former Department of Justice Deputy Assistant Attorney General and CEO. Uh, Joe leads the Government Chief Information Office advisory practice and helps government clients develop and implement digital transformations. Joe's 37-year career in the federal government began with the CIA as a scientist and culminated with the Department of Justice in the role of the CIO. Um, Joe also served as the NOAA uh, CIO and the um, NGA CIO. Uh, Joe received the U.S. Presidential Rank Award for Distinguished Executive Service, and he is also involved with the Partnership for Public Service. Wow, Joe, first off, what an impressive background, and thank you for joining us today. I'm very glad to be here, Eileen, and thank you for that introduction. So, uh, Joe, let's start off. Describe your leadership style. Well, um, I'd say my leadership style is uh, very situationally dependent, uh, but I have five basic leadership principles, and I believe these principles are very important uh, to be an effective leader. The first is uh, know yourself, know your people, and your business. Uh, That's kind of a a basic, but uh, it's hard to get the respect of people and get people to follow you if you don't uh, uh, know those three things. Uh, You need to have a compelling vision and set clear goals and priorities. Uh, You need to enlist everyone, equip your people, and reward the best performers. You need to act on facts and and make decisions. I think one of the worst things you can do as a leader is not make decisions or to uh, struggle with uh, trying to get 100% of the information uh, before you make a decision. Uh, You need to demonstrate the highest standards of conduct, integrity, and professionalism. So I'd say those are the the five basic uh, uh, principles that I try to follow from a leadership perspective. Do you you mentioned you alter your approach depending upon the situation? Um, can you share with the audience any stories about why and how you altered your approach and and maybe some challenges and obstacles that you were facing in that situation? Well, as, uh, as you mentioned earlier, I did, did work across the many different environments in the federal government, and I think um, you find that you're in different situations in some places. Uh, you're, you're working with scientists, supporting scientists. Uh, in other cases, it's attorneys or, or law enforcement officials. So it's um, you find yourself in different situations. Um, in some cases, um, you've got a great team already in place with mature processes. In other cases, you're trying to establish uh, that mature organization and, and mature the processes. And so you have to look at the, the totality of the situation that you're, you're put into. So, Joe, you've worked with a lot of uh, very important people uh, across the government um, and throughout your life. Uh, Can you define a great leader and maybe talk about one that you worked with? I think there's, first of all, there's many different ways to define leadership. And I, I like to define leadership as getting people to follow you when the end is not visible or a positive outcome uh, is not certain. Um Look, if a positive outcome is certain, then that's management. I mean, that's not leadership. Uh, I also like to, to make sure people are aware that uh, it's a contact sport where if you are a leader, you can get hurt. Uh, there's been plenty of cases in U.S. history where uh, great leaders have been assassinated. So it's uh, 
it's not for the faint of heart. Um, but I think, you know, from my look at leadership qualities, um, you have to be a, a visible communicator. I don't think you have to be a great communicator, but I think you have to be out there um, and you have to communicate that the same message, uh, many different channels um, before people take that the, the vision and the direction seriously. And you need to have laser focus on a consistent set of priorities. If you're constantly changing priorities, nobody's going to follow you. They're going to just wait for the next uh, round of priorities. You'd be passionate about your job. Um, you know, or I, I've told other people you need to get a new job if you're not passionate about the job you're in. Life's too short. Um, you need to be a team player and be likable. Uh, people are much more likely to follow you if you're, you're likable and approachable. And then choose your battles carefully. Um, you know, I'm always uh, struck by uh, George Washington. And I think in the Revolutionary War, there was only like nine real battles and he lost six of them. Um, but he won three very important battles. And so it's, it is important that, uh, you, you know, when you do go into, uh, you know, pick, pick a battle to, to uh, and a thing to make a stand on that you're, you're doing it at the right time, the right place and the right uh, reasons. Maybe some additional advice I'd say is, you know, constant learner, be sensitive to the culture. We were talking about, you know, different environments. And then I'd say take risks. Um, you know, one thing that uh, uh, I've always I spent a lot of time mentoring uh, folks over the years, and I try to follow my own advice, and that is take the job that makes you feel the most uncomfortable, the one that stretches you the most, because you will learn the most from, from that job. And I just, you know, from a, a perspective of um, really leading versus managing, um, when I went into to NOAA and Department of Commerce, I didn't know anybody at all at NOAA or in the entire Department of Commerce. And then the same thing at Department of Justice. I had never worked in Department of Justice, didn't know that much about the mission, didn't know anybody in there. And when you're dropped into these organizations um, and you're you know, in a leadership position and you have to very rapidly learn the organization, but you have to more importantly learn who you can trust um, and who's gonna, who's gonna support you. When I think about, um, I'm not going to mention specific names of leaders, but um, when I think about some of the people that made an impact on me very early on as a scientist uh, developing software for the uh, agency there, I, we had a rule that uh, started with the, the leadership and it was, you know, if you break the software, nobody's going to get mad at you. You just had to stay there and, until you fix it. And um, I think that's important that the leadership, you know, leaders have to ha be a, you know, even keel and, and set ground rules and show that they're, they're going to support the people who take risks. Um, one of the um, uh, leaders I had early on in my career also uh, uh, was the first one to tell me I wasn't perfect. <laughs> and, uh, and rather than just uh, saying you're not perfect and, you know, pushing you aside, he spent a lot of time uh, um, helping me get better and, and actually uh, um, improving on areas where I wasn't as strong as I needed to be to advance to the next level. Um, I think um, a lot of uh, leaders have, have shown that, again, these, these traits that I mentioned earlier, these qualities, and um, you know, I've tried to, to pick up from them. I think everybody that I've admired from a leadership perspective really knew their material, uh, were a very visible communicator, uh, passionate about the job, very approachable and likable, um, emphasized, you know, it's okay to take risks, it's okay to fail. Um, but you know, you can't do that all the time. So those are some of the things that I, uh, 
you look at when, I, when we think about leadership. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. Joe, what obstacles and challenges did you encounter on a personal level you needed to overcome to, to become an effective leader? Yeah, I think, um, as I mentioned earlier, I started my career as a scientist uh, at CIA. And, and I started as a software developer. And there were many days early on in my career where I'd spend basically the entire day in a, in a cold, dark computer room. And I was a pretty extreme introvert, and I was okay with that, but I always wanted to lead, and um, so after a while, you have to, you know, you, you have to actually, I had to learn how to be a, a leader, um, and how to, I'm still an introvert, but is how to get out there and speak in, in different events, and, um, and and the attributes of, of, a, of a leader. Uh, I was very fortunate to have worked for some of these great individuals throughout my career, and I tried to uh, you know, ask as many questions as I could and try to learn from everyone. Uh, so there's, I think being the introvert um, was probably the biggest uh, obstacle that I had to overcome. Speaking with Joe Kimovich, Managing Director KPMG and former Department of uh, Justice Deputy Assistant Attorney and CIO. After the break, we'll be discussing leadership, decision-making, and communication, and why it's important to have the right combination. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and today I'm talking with Joe Kimovich, Managing Director, KPMG, and former Department of Justice Deputy Assistant Attorney General and CIO. Uh, Joe, as I, I mentioned in on the end of the last segment, what is the most important type of decisions you can make as a leader of an organization? When I think about important leadership decisions, I, I think the only thing that a leader really can control is how they spend their time. You think about it, you can't really control other people, other actions, um, external factors. Um, but as a leader, you can control how you spend your time. And something that uh, previous NOAA administrator, uh, Admiral Lautenbacher, um, mentioned several times to me was, was, uh, as a leader, you should really think about spending one-third of your time on tactical issues, one-third of your time on strategic issues, and one-third of your time on the workforce. And what I used to do, uh, both at NOAA and um, at Justice, was uh, take my uh, calendar printed out at the end of the week and then take three highlighters and highlight different parts of the calendar. You know, was that a strategic meeting? Uh, did I spend that hour doing, was it tactical or focused on the workforce? And inevitably, tactical consumes uh, a lot of your time. And I would say easily 50% of my time was spent on tactical issues, maybe 20% or maybe, I don't know, even 30% of my time on strategic issues. The workforce, it was really hard to spend one third of my time on the workforce issues, but I really tried because that, that pays dividends. So I think that's uh, one um, thing that leaders really need to look at from uh, how they spend their time. Within DOJ, uh, we had a very mature decision-making process. The DOJ CIO committees, uh, they would make recommendations on preferred department-wide technology solutions and services. They wouldn't make decisions, they would make recommendations, and these were really the subject matter experts. Those would then go to the DOJ CIO council to approve the, the um, services and solutions, and then we would codify those in our um, technical architecture. Um, and I think it's a it's a good way to, to do that, uh, that, you you know, you have this tiered approach. And sometimes we'd have different committees bringing to the CO Council different recommendations on how to solve the same uh, basic problem. And then the council would sometimes would take a hybrid approach and uh, best of both uh, recommendations. I think um, 
you know, also I like to look at this from a strategic perspective. So what are those strategic questions? Um, and I think one thing a CIO has to do is look across the competitive landscape. You know, who else is uh, in this space? And everybody is, even a government organization, you're in a competitive uh, environment, right? I mean, so uh, you need to be thinking about how are you going to be constantly improving your services? Um, you know, are we improving our operational and strategic agility? Uh, do we have the capacity to deliver uh, business value from, from IT? Are we comfortable with the level of risk? I always, when I went into a new job, first thing I always do, did was a, a SWOT analysis, um, identifying your strengths, weaknesses, threats, and opportunities, and then look at your investment portfolio. Does it um, you know, reflect the potential of opportunities and does it mitigate the threats? Do you have a technology roadmap that uh, aligns to the business and, and gets the maximum value out of the technology? Um, you know, I think you've got to look at uh, your governance processes. Are they agile? And then do you have a, a talent strategy for digital transformation? And then lastly, I just say, you know, where do you stand with uh, statutory compliance? Because in a CO position, you have uh, you're you're definitely responsible for for a lot of that. And um, uh, you definitely want to make sure you're you're managing risk, but you're you're compliant with all of the uh, statutory and policy um, requirements that are out there. So those, those are some of the ways I look at how to spend your, your time as a leader, how to things you need to communicate on, uh, how to get decisions teed up. So you, you mentioned, um, you know, the big decisions with the committee and the council, and that's a very organized way to make these, these bigger decisions. But there's times as a leader um, that you know, do you always um, look for input from your team or are there times that a leader needs to just make a decision and how do you decide and communicate why you've made one versus the other? I think um, I, I always try to get input from as many people as possible, even if it's a, a short uh, duration turnaround, uh, decisions got to be made in, in an hour or so. Um, I think you're always going to make a better decision if you can get to uh, some input, and I always like to get somebody that's going to have a dissenting opinion. Uh, go find and go ask the person who you know will always give you some some <laughs> different kind of input um, because it'll it'll bound um, your your decision making, right? So um, the last thing a leader wants to do is surround themselves with uh, yes people who will just you think all of your ideas are great because they're not going to be great. Uh, that's my perspective on it. So what is most important to your organization, uh, mission, core values, or vision? Well, from my perspective, the mission is what you've been given. Um, and, uh, you know, like at Justice, I always say we want to be, you know, we want to provide innovative, high-quality, secure information and technology services um, that, that enable the department's mission. But the vision is what you want uh, you want to be. Um, and there, I always said we wanted to drive information technology solutions at the pace of American innovation. And you know, I think it's uh, important that that vision um, resonate with people that they can easily um, uh, understand where you want to go, and, and it's visible, right? I mean, it's, it's it paints a picture. Um, it's also important that you're supporting documents like strategic plans and policies aligned with your vision. If you say you want to go in a certain direction. But but everything that you've got written down points in a different direction. Uh, that's going to be a problem. And I would say, look, I mean, culture is still the most important thing for an organization. 
again, just like I said, if you if you put out documents, if you you're you're communicating one thing, but your actions, um, how the organization behaves, uh, is different from what you say, um, then that's culture, and they, those things all have to be in alignment. Um, you probably could be pretty light on um, mission, vision, strategy if you have a really strong culture. Um, but um, the ideal situation is that they're all they all align. And I would say, you know, with respect to communication, um, I think you really need to look at a, a business rhythm. So when I was at Justice, we um, had a one one page um, we'd give to new employees. This is this is basically our communication business rhythm uh, when we meet and so on. And um, I think as a CIO, you really need to be able to assess the digital health of your organization. So we would focus on IT investments, um, and that had a certain cadence in terms of reviews, um, IT operations, and and again that was uh, shorter, you know, daily and then weekly kinds of uh, uh, communications and updates. And the same thing with cybersecurity, daily, weekly, but we'd also look at it from a longer term perspective. So those are some of the things I'm thinking about when you when you talk about mission, vision, um, and communications. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. Joe, you're 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 at uh, you know the top of your career right now. At, at this stage of your career, what are your thoughts? Uh, you mentioned um, managing versus leading. So, what does that mean? Well, um, to me, managing is still very important, uh, but I tend to think about this as more of the tactical component. You know, where you've got. Uh, I say bumper guards. <laughs> this is these are the things you're supposed to follow, do. You have to do. You have to be very good at them. Um, but that's kind of the the basics, right? Uh, um, I, a lot of people told me, you know, be br- brilliant at the basics. But that to me is management. But leader is where you can really have the biggest impact. And honestly, I think leading to me is is more challenging than managing. It's also more fun. Um, there, there are a lot of leadership books. Uh, I've read a lot of them. I have a lot of them, um, but it's not as simple as following a checklist or, or a policy. So, that, that you know, in a nutshell, that's kind of how I look at uh, managing versus uh, leading. Now, over time, your your you, how have your has your focus and time horizons changed as you've taken on more senior positions? I imagine that the way that you approach decisions, the way you approach leadership as you have a larger organization may change over time. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think early on uh, in you know, anybody's career, you're, you're very tactically focused. Um, but as you advance in your career, you take on broader responsibilities and you need to take on a more strategic and longer term perspective. Um, I spent uh, almost 20 years as a federal CIO and uh, I observed as technology evolves, um, you know, the role of the CIO must also evolve. Um, the, um, you know, you look at CIOs today and, and they're much more, uh, they've evolved much more from a service provider to a broker of services. Uh, and I think um, as it, the, the role of the CIO is going to continue to shift more and more to, to be a strategic advisor, a uh, strategic partner. Uh, for mission leaders, um, helping them make effective use of uh, technology and information. Um, but I think it, it's just inevitable that as you you move up in your career, uh, as you take on more res- responsibility, 
as you move into CIO leadership positions, uh, you've, you're going to take on um, a much longer time horizon and uh, a much more strategic perspective. Uh, certainly, the CIO has to have a uh, you're, no, you're no longer as a CIO expected to uh, configure servers in the in the back, uh, you know, uh, computer room. You you have to be a strategic thinker and have a, a longer term uh, perspective on things. I'm speaking with Joe Kimovich, Managing Director, KPMG, and former Department of Justice Assistant Attorney General and CIO. Coming up next, we'll talk about being a leader that is trying to lead through change. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Joe Kimovich. Managing Director, KPMG, and former Department of Justice Deputy Assistant Attorney and former CIO. Joe, getting organizations to adopt change can be one of the biggest leadership challenges anybody can face. How do you approach leading an organization to adopt change? I certainly agree. Um, it is uh, getting people to change is, is very uh, challenging at times. But I think the, the first thing is you need to have a clear and compelling multi-year vision because change doesn't occur overnight. So it's got to be multi-year. I think you've got to create and implement a strategy with specific goals, objectives uh, that, don't, that don't change every year. Um, so you've got to lay out that plan. As I mentioned earlier, laser focus on a consistent set of uh, priorities. Um, and you need to have a you need to be consistent. Um, in the way you convey the message. Somebody once told me that you've got to convey the same message seven through seven different channels before people actually believe you. And if you just send out an email, and this has actually been my experience, first time somebody reads the email and says, you know, we're gonna change, they're gonna delete it and ignore it, right? They're not gonna believe it. But once they start hearing it through different means and they see posters out in the hallway and they hear from their friends, um, they start believing. Um, Look, I think everything else is negotiable. And one, um, I would, um, first thing I would try to do on change is try to get somebody to, um, what's it gonna take for you to change? And it's almost like negotiating. Um, If they tell you that they don't have enough money uh, to change, well then can you help them out with funding through different sources, uh, requesting appropriations or whatever. Um, If they tell you they don't have enough experts on their staff to implement the changes that you want. Can you give them somebody from your staff, uh, detail somebody to, to their staff to help? I have even, uh, uh, somebody once said, I'll change if you take some somebody from my own staff. And, um, and I did, so I, we worked out a transfer where they you know joined my staff and uh, it wasn't a great fit where they were. And so, um, look, if you if you know what you want in terms of change, then everything else is really negotiable. I think you know that consistent leadership is, is so important um, in implementing these big change initiatives. And if you look at it, it takes years to impact acquisitions and budgets. On the on the first day, you know, change or if you come in there into a new position, you've inherited a budget re- that was requested two years prior, and your you know um, your budget for two years in the future may already be fixed um, depending on where you're working. Acquisitions can can move a little faster, but it's still a multi-year effort. Um, so I think, you know, those are, those are things you've got to work through. 
But the biggest um, success factor, I think, for our leaders is having the, the right people and empowering them to achieve. Uh, you've also got to know your customers and your partners and build those relationships. Uh, I spent a lot of time uh, going around um, in different different places. I worked with the other CXOs, trying to garner support, making sure that they were on, on board with whatever change I was thinking about. Same thing with uh, uh, peers and customers, partners, uh, and industry as well. Um, I think the, the last thing that I would uh, say is that CIOs are granted a lot of authority, but using these authorities can often backfire. So really using an authority or your positional uh, powers is the last thing you want to do as a CIO. Much better to work collaboratively, uh, and I think you can get a lot more change uh, implemented that way. Through the CIO positions you've had in adopting technology, there's been times when, you know, you've had to make a cultural shift to get those changes. And, you know, sometimes you have to lead your team, you know, like you said, that may at some point seem like it's almost an impossible change to make. Changing people's habits, changing people's processes, changing the culture to adopt technology to help them leverage their mission. How do you manage people through what sometimes can seem like impossible odds. I think, you know, you need to really take care of your, your workforce and, um, and understand what they're going through. I, I, uh, if you actually can't ask too many personal questions, but if you can get to know somebody at a more personal level, it's amazing sometimes what people have to go through just to get to work in the morning um, and uh, that they're there. And, and so um, I think really uh, understanding your workforce, taking care of your workforce, um, and then, you know, being a little flexible, um, you know, you, you, people that have critical skills, um, I would, uh, you know, uh, I'd say cut them a little more slack, but uh, you need to be a little more flexible. Um, otherwise, you won't, you won't have the skills that you need to implement some of these changes. And again, as mentioned earlier, just that continue emphasizing collaboration. That's, that's really important. Uh, so those are some of the big things I, I have in that area. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. What do you think will be the biggest challenges uh, for government executives and leaders in the aftermath or, you know, of COVID-19? I mean, things have changed permanently. Yeah, I think as we move into a new reality uh, post-pandemic, um, I believe there's going to be even greater demand for government modernization. Uh, it's going to primarily come in, you know, from two areas. Uh the delivery of citizen services and the workforce that delivers them. Uh, we're going to see continuing demand from the public uh, to, to make it easier to conduct business uh, from the government with the government from home. Um, you know, I think that we've made great strides in this area, um, but that a lot more could be done uh, to make it easier for uh, citizens to not have to come into a facility, right, to, to gain access to core uh, government services. And the government workforce is going to continue to ask for flexibility. I don't think it's a given that everybody's going to want to immediately drive into Washington, D.C. Uh, after the, you know, everybody gets vaccinated. Um, so I think the government's going to have to accommodate uh, a flexible or more flexible workforce. We really don't know when the next disaster is going to occur, but we do know that we can develop mitigation strategies and we should be thinking about those right now. But beyond um, modernization, I would say, you know, two other areas that we really need to focus on, cybersecurity, 
cyber attacks are increasing in aggression, sophistication, and they're bypassing a lot of traditional uh, security tools. So I think that's one area that uh, the government's really going to have to continue to focus on. And the, the other one is uh, recruiting and retaining highly qualified uh, personnel. And from my perspective, with some of the collaboration, some of the remote uh, technologies uh, we're, we've been using essentially for the last year, uh, I think we should be looking for if somebody wants to work in, uh, I don't know, North or South Dakota, and and, and the, the rest of the element is in Washington, D.C., is that okay? Um, you know, and I think we're going to have to say, yes, it, it's fine. Um, and we're going to have to make sure that the the IT supports those kind of uh, working environments. So those are some of the main things I, I'm looking at. I think, you know, as I look at um, the technology, the the environment, and I'm struck with uh, a couple of big imperatives that that I think CIOs really need to to focus in on. And there are five of them. And the first one is managing IT as a business. Second one is automating a scale and embracing these new technologies. I think we've got to simplify IT for a consistent user experience. Uh, when I was at Justice, we had, I think, 74.gov domains. And um, that was not a consistent user experience uh, navigating from one to the other. And I think we can do we can do a lot more uh, to get that uh, consistent user experience. Um, we got to protect the enterprise, but also maintain agility. Uh, cyber is easy to say. You know, it's easy to say, no, you can't do something. That should be the last answer. The first answer is how do I enable the mission and protect it at the same time? And then the last one is leveraging data as a strategic asset. Um, what I always like to say uh, to people is that uh, right behind workforce, data is our most important asset. I think that's absolutely true that most government agencies are really data uh, agencies. And, uh, you know, they're in different business areas, but they're uh, their, their core asset uh, right after people is data. So things to think about. So Joe, I, it's great that you bring that up from a data perspective. As as you might be aware, I, I changed my career a little bit. And now I head up a company's um, public sector team called Calibra. And the, the, the part that gave me the passion to want to join that team is, is exactly that, is data has made a huge difference for organizations to be able to really act. I mean, there's uh, parts of uh, the public um, sector that was able to very quickly act and, and have results um, from the pandemic by leveraging data. And there may have been some other examples that have reflected that not having easy access to trusted data may have delayed, if not uh, caused some uh, decisions to be made that were inaccurate. Um, do you have any advice for the new CDO out there? Because there's a there's a new role out there. Uh, CIOs are extremely important, will always be important to the core business, but the chief data officer is sort of like the chief most important asset officer. Um, you know, any advice for for uh, you know the the new CDO leader out there that's trying to change culture? Because to change people to be thinking about sharing data, putting that accessible, trusting that, having the governance, being good stewards is really a cultural change. No, I think you're absolutely right. And, and you might know that I was also the chief data officer at Department of Justice. Um, and I was able to leverage the, both the CIO responsibilities or authorities and the uh, CDO authorities. 
Well, when I look at um, uh, leveraging data, we we do um, we do have a lot of um, what I consider dark data in the government, where we collect it one time and then put it on a shelf, and and it's not easily accessible. Maybe people don't even know that it exists, um, and so that's that's a waste of uh, you know I think taxpayer resources, and it doesn't uh, lend yourself to making the best decisions. But I think you know looking at this. You've got to build a data strategy. It's got to have a clear value proposition, uh, guiding principles. Um, you've got to create a data architecture that optimizes the value uh, of data across the, the an agency. Uh, I like to say, and I, a lot of people say the next tier down is kind of an implementation plan, but I actually like to refer to it as a data investment plan. Uh, you've got to document specific actions you're going to take to close the gaps in your architecture. And that doesn't happen by itself. It's, it really takes an investment. And that's where you've got to work with the CIO uh, on an IT strategy. You've got to work with the CFO to make sure that these key um, initiatives are funded. Um, you've, you're, most government agencies are operating, um, or they should operate in a hybrid multi-cloud environment. And you've got to look at uh, how you're managing data across those different environments. Uh, you've got to take a life cycle perspective to data. As I mentioned earlier, is that a lot of times uh, you just collect it for one-time use, and then um, who knows what happens to it. But uh, look at it from a life cycle perspective. I like to um, ask all of the uh, systems of record to to build a management plan, a data management plan, um, and that could be fairly short, depending on you know how big the system is. But um, think about it from a life cycle perspective. You need to address data quality issues. That's something that uh, uh, we we have we have a lot of data that could be cleaned up. But that's going to be really important as we move in, into AI and machine learning and try to bring those uh, functionalities in. You've got to build a data literacy program that includes everyone uh, from the top to the to the bottom. And you've got to um, you've got to identify uh, KPIs and metrics that demonstrate the value to the mission because that's the best way to continue getting investments into your, your data initiatives. So those are some of the things that uh, I've been trying to push. You're listening to Leaders in Legend on Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Joe Kimovelich, KPMG uh, uh, Managing Director and former Department of Justice Deputy Assistant General Attorney and CIO. Next, we'll find out Joe's advice to the next generation of federal leaders. You're listening to Leaders in Legend in Government. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and today I'm talking with Joe Kimovich, Managing Director, KPMG, and former Department of Justice, uh, Deputy Assistant General Attorney, and CIO. Uh, you know, we have seen a lot of change, and we've had some stressful times with COVID, but we're about to see a change in leadership in the White House. Um, you know, that's always uh, an interesting time here in Washington, D.C. I think there's over 4,000 leadership positions that uh, actually get to change and get to go through Congress for approval. Um, what advice would you offer to career government executives as they navigate this change in the organization, change with leadership, this hurry up and wait kind of like situation, you know, as as we uh, change the leadership in the White House? Uh, Eileen, um, the first thing I, I would, the observation I'd make is that the, the actual work of the federal government changes very slowly, but priorities can change 
pretty quickly with a new administration. Uh, let me give you an example. Um, in, you know, we managed the federal um, prisons in, in Department of Justice, Bureau of Prisons. Um, the prisons are still going to be there. We're still going to have incarcerated persons. Um, but priorities can change in terms of uh, how you look at uh, the operations. But I would encourage everybody to pay attention to direction coming out of OMB. And if you can anticipate the direction coming out of there um, and, and gear your investments, your initiatives to support the uh, direction coming out of OMB, I think you're going to be ahead of the game. Also look at, you know, from a CIO perspective, how are CIOs evaluated? And uh, you'll have new leadership at the uh, departments as well. And I think the first thing is services, right? Uh, you've got to deliver excellent uh information and technology services. The second thing is oversight. Uh, you typically are responsible for the, the IT investments across an agency department. That is a lot of times around 10%, 10, 10 to 15% of the overall uh, department budget goes to IT. And you've got to keep all your major investments uh, really within 10% of cost schedule and performance objectives. And then you've got to, you've got to change. You've got to lead change. You've got to initiate large-scale and complex uh, transformations because you you can't stay uh, pat. You've got to um, figure out how you're going to improve services, reduce costs, and enhance uh, cybersecurity. And then I look at well, how does a CIO get fired? How does how do you lose your job? And number one way I've observed is a cyber breach. Um, second way is if you have a major operational failure. If email or the network is down or a major systems down for a week, somebody's going to notice and somebody's going to um, uh, suffer uh, from a career perspective on that. If you have a major investment, uh, you invest a billion dollars and it doesn't deliver the intended benefits, that's a, you know, not good for your career. Uh, failure of uh, management controls, um, uh, those are things that will get you fired. So what do you do as a CIO? You, you develop risk mitigation strategies for all those and you really can't be risk averse, but you've got to figure out how to integrate risk management into all of your operations in a continual process. Um, I like to, most places where I've worked, I've stressed uh, getting uh, ISO 9000, 20,000, 27,000 certification because following standard processes, maturing the processes, best way to deliver high quality services. Um, but you've got to uh, look at how you're going to mitigate um, the, the, these potential uh, areas where you could run in trouble um, and then how you're going to uh, uh, provide good services, make sure your investments are um, realizing the value that uh, uh, they can and they should, and then leading uh, additional changes to uh, enhance the, the the mission and support the mission. So those are things that I think, um, you know, IT leaders uh, need to be focused on as we change uh, uh, administrations. You've had such an incredible, successful career. Uh, it, it's truly ins inspirational, all the different organizations that you've supported uh, across from the intelligence organization, the intelligence community, I'm sorry, to law enforcement. Uh, I think you're, you mentioned on the break, one, you, one of your daughters uh, followed you in, into law enforcement. I think she's with the Capitol Police Force. Yeah. Uh, you must be very proud. But do you have any pearls of wisdom for that next generation of leader you know, how, how could they become a, 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 you know, have the incredible career you've had? Well, I think, um, you know, I think about uh, what attracted me to federal services was the mission, right? And uh, at the time, uh, CIA was on campus at Virginia Tech recruiting and 
the mission sounded great. I didn't know much about the organization, but uh, that attracted me. And, you know, the, the various missions uh, that I've supported have really kept me, they kept me in the, in, you know, in the federal government for 37 years as I, you know, moved from CIA to DOD to, to NOAA and finally to DOJ. Um, you know, as I talked to uh, student groups, and I've done that even up until uh, January there of uh, 2020, I was uh, talking to uh, uh, student groups on campus. And, you know, I think um, when you look at being a federal employee, you get, you know, you have room to make decisions and you're, you get to make decisions very early on in your career, uh, pretty significant magnitude. Um, uh, so I would, you know, I would encourage uh, uh, young people to think about a career in public service. Uh, it's highly rewarding. Uh, you can have a, a great influence on uh, on things uh, that are out there in the public space, and you know the country needs great public servants. And you know the decisions you you make uh, can have a significant impact on on many citizens every day. Um, so those are some of the things that I you know I think about if I, if I was a young person. Um, uh, certainly, um, there's additional options in the private sector supporting uh, the government, um, but uh, yeah, and I think. Just as I mentioned earlier, you know, find a job that you're very passionate about uh, uh, or get a new job. In IT, you spend a lot of time uh, working on the mission. And if you're not passionate about the mission you're supporting, um, it's not going to be as much fun. Uh, I was able to do some very, very exciting things. Uh, in DoD, I was able to land and take off aircraft carriers a couple of times. And no, I was able to fly to uh, eyewalls of big hurricanes, uh, sitting in the cockpit of a P-3. Um, I was tra able to travel abroad and represent the United States um, in Interpol meetings with uh, foreign dignitaries. And um, it's just a lot of things you can you can do. So please consider a, a career as a public service, you know, servant. You've been listening to Leaders and Legend in Government. My guest today has been Joe Kimovich. Managing Director KPMG and former Department of Justice Deputy Assistant General Attorney and CIO. Joe, first I want to thank you for the amazing 37 years of dedication of public service. Um, I, I know I can speak for everyone out there that we're just so appreciative for people like you that have committed your lifetime to helping with the mission to help, you know, our communities and, and to help, uh, you, know, you know, make things better um, I also want to thank you for being a guest today and sharing with us your personal journey and some really valuable advice. Uh, you're welcome, Eileen, and uh, very glad to be here. Thank you. I'm Eileen Black. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Leaders and Legends in Government with Eileen Black. Subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.